you are now tuned into Civil War Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, here to guide you through the fields and towns of mid-19th century America as we delve into the epic conflict that shaped the very soul of this great nation, the Civil War. Together, we'll explore riveting stories from an era of transformation and sacrifice, hearing tales of valiant charges, whispered plots, and the profound human experiences behind the blue and the gray. And if your historical appetite is still hungry for more tales of valor and conflict, be sure to check out our companion podcast, World War II Stories, where we unravel the global conflict that raged nearly a century later. You can find the link in the description or make your way to podhour.com ww2. So, ready your ears and steady your hearts as we traverse through the pages of time, delving into a chapter of history where a nation fought for its very identity. As dawn broke on December 31, 1862, the rolling fields and dense cedar forests near the quiet town of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, would be forever seared into the annals of American history. Amidst the frosty breath of winter and the murmurings of the Stones River, two formidable forces, the Union's Army of the Cumberland and the Confederate Army of Tennessee, were poised to engage in a conflict that would shape the course of the American Civil War. This is the tale of the Battle of Stones River, a three-day clash filled with tales of valor, sacrifice, and relentless determination, deeply etched in the blood-stained soil of Tennessee. In the years leading up to the clash, the United States had been teetering on the brink of a chasm, with ideologies dividing the country along geographical lines. From the drawing rooms of power in Washington and Richmond to the humblest homesteads, tensions simmered, threatening to rupture the nation's fragile unity. The war that ensued was a brutal struggle, pitting brother against brother, tearing at the very fabric of a fledgling nation. At the center of this maelstrom was Tennessee, a border state with significant strategic importance. It was here, in the heart of Murfreesboro, that the Union sought a decisive victory to seize control of this critical gateway to the Confederate heartland. However, victory would not come easy. Opposing them was the Confederate Army of Tennessee, resolute and determined to protect their homeland from the northern invaders. Commanding these two armies were Major General William Rosecrans for the Union and General Braxton Bragg for the Confederacy two distinct military leaders, each carrying the weight of their nation's hopes on their shoulders. Their strategies, their decisions, and their soldiers will would determine the fate of Murfreesboro and, in many ways, the course of the Civil War. As we delve into this story, we walk the narrow path trodden by these soldiers, entering a world steeped in courage, fear, and anticipation. We bear witness to the opening salvos of the battle the resolute stand at the round forest, the daring counteroffensive, and the eventual retreat. We feel the chilling cold of a New Year's Eve in the trenches and the bitter cost of victory. As we navigate the aftermath, we explore the broader repercussions on the Civil War and the lasting legacy of the Battle of Stones River. Welcome to a journey through a pivotal chapter of American history. Prepare to be immersed in the drama, the strategic brilliance, and the unyielding spirit that defined the Battle of Stones River. Chapter 1 The Prelude In the years preceding the Battle of Stones River, an undercurrent of unrest stirred the American landscape, 
pulling at the seams of a nation knitted together by a shared dream of liberty. It was as if a storm was brewing over the horizon, its dark clouds heavy with the weight of division. At the heart of this gathering tempest stood two figures cast in stark relief against the backdrop of impending conflict. Abraham Lincoln, the 16th President of the United States, was a beacon of resolve and vision. Born in the humblest of log cabins, he was a self-made man, rising from obscurity to the nation's highest office, his tall figure and weathered face embodying the spirit of perseverance. From the moment Lincoln assumed office, he was beset by a secessionist movement that threatened to tear the nation apart. Despite his pleas for unity and peace, seven southern states chose to secede before his inauguration, leading to the creation of the Confederacy. The principal cause of their breakaway? Slavery, an institution that, while abhorrent to many Northerners, was considered by the South as vital to their way of life and economy. On the opposing side, we find Jefferson Davis, a Mississippian by birth and a West Point graduate. Davis, unlike Lincoln, was the embodiment of the Southern aristocracy. A veteran of the Mexican-American War and former Secretary of War, Davis was chosen as the Confederacy's first, and only, president. His staunch defense of slavery and belief in states' rights put him on a collision course with the Union. However, this era was not simply a tale of two leaders. It was a tapestry woven with the dreams, fears, and ambitions of millions. In the bustling factories of the North, workers toiled under the relentless rhythm of the Industrial Revolution, envisioning a future powered by the roar of the locomotive and the clatter of the loom. In contrast, the South's fertile fields were tilled by the hands of enslaved people, their lives bound by the shackles of servitude, their hopes for freedom echoing in the spiritual sung under the southern stars. As these divergent visions of America clashed, they set the stage for an inevitable conflict, one that would test the very foundations of the nation. And it was upon this stage, where the currents of history converged, that the armies of the North and South would meet at Stones River. Little did they know that their collision would become a pivotal moment in the struggle for the soul of their divided nation. As the war drums echoed across America, the gaze of both Union and Confederate leaders turned towards a state whose position held the potential to tip the balance of the war. This was Tennessee, a border state where the flavors of the North and South melded, where rivers traced paths of steel and steam and fertile fields offered bountiful harvests. But it was the state's strategic significance that made it a coveted prize in the chess game of the Civil War. Picture Tennessee as the gateway to the South. Nestled in its heart was the city of Murfreesboro, a small yet pivotal piece of this grand strategic puzzle. The city was not just home to its townsfolk but also housed the lifeblood of the Southern War effort, a crucial railroad junction that linked the Confederacy's eastern and western theaters. Major General Don Carlos Buell, a staunch disciplinarian and veteran of the Union Army, understood this. He had his sights set on securing Tennessee and cutting off the Confederacy's vital supply lines. But standing in his way was the Confederate General Albert Sidney Johnston, a man known for his tactical acumen and indomitable spirit. The clash of these military minds formed an intriguing subplot to the broader war narrative. Their decisions, victories, and defeats were all framed by the rivers, 
railroads, and ridges of Tennessee. Theirs was a war not just of cannons and cavalry, but of logistics, supply chains, and railway timetables. Meanwhile, the people of Tennessee found themselves in a whirlwind of shifting allegiances. Some, like the future President Andrew Johnson, remained staunchly loyal to the Union despite their southern roots. Others, such as Nathan Bedford Forrest, rose to the ranks of the Confederate military, driven by a deep-seated belief in the Southern cause. For these Tennesseans and many more, their home became a battleground, their lives an embodiment of the nation's divided loyalties. As the Union and Confederate armies converged on Tennessee, they brought with them not only the thunder of artillery and the charge of cavalry, but also the hopes and fears of a nation caught in the throes of conflict. Amid this turbulent setting, the stage was being set for a clash that would reverberate far beyond the borders of Tennessee and echo through the ages the Battle of Stones River. As the calendar turned its pages to the final days of 1862, a formidable drama began to unfold around the town of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The tensions that had split the nation were now drawing two mighty armies towards an inevitable clash. A storm was gathering, its eyes centered on the strategic prize of Murfreesboro. From the north, Major General William Rosecrans marched at the helm of the Union's Army of the Cumberland. A man of humble origins, Rosecrans was an embodiment of the American dream. His journey from a tanner's son to a well-respected military leader was as winding as the Ohio River he had crossed in his youth. Rosecrans was a meticulous planner, known for his attention to detail and care for his men, qualities that would be tested in the trials to come. From the South, General Braxton Bragg led the Confederate Army of Tennessee. Unlike Rosecrans, Bragg was a stern disciplinarian, a West Point graduate with a reputation for uncompromising standards. His approach often brought him into conflict with his officers, yet there was no denying his commitment to the Southern cause. Two contrasting characters, one shared destiny. Their paths, carved by the winds of war, were destined to cross at Stones River. The men they led were as varied as the landscapes they had traversed. In the Union ranks, there were farm boys from Ohio, factory workers from Illinois, and lumberjacks from Wisconsin. These men had traded their plows, hammers, and axes for muskets and bayonets, propelled by a call to preserve their union and the promise of a new future. Bragg's Confederate forces were no less diverse. Among them were planters from Virginia, railroad workers from Georgia, and teachers from Tennessee. Despite their varied backgrounds, these men were bound together by a deep sense of regional pride and a fierce desire to protect their way of life. As December wore on, these two armies, each a reflection of their respective sides of a divided nation, inched closer and closer towards Murfreesboro. The anticipation was palpable, the tension taut as a drawn bowstring. Amid the frosty winter air and the solemn whispers of the Stones River, a fateful encounter was on the horizon. For these men and their leaders, Murfreesboro was not just another name on a war map. It was a symbol of what they fought for, a junction where their hopes, fears, and destinies would collide. In this gathering storm, the stage was set for the Battle of Stones River, a confrontation that would shake the foundations of their divided nation. Chapter 2 Eve of the Battle
On one side of the Stones River, under the stars and stripes of the Union, stood Major General William Rosecrans. A stocky man with a robust build, his thick dark hair was streaked with gray, hinting at a life steeped in tireless service. His eyes, set deep under bushy eyebrows, had a gentle warmth yet belied a sharp strategic mind. Born in Delaware County, Ohio, Rosecrans had a strong Catholic upbringing. He was not just a military man, he was an inventor, an engineer, and a philosopher. His strategies were not the result of rash decisions but careful planning and a meticulous attention to detail. To his men, he was Old Rosie, a commander who knew their names, shared their burdens, and bore the weight of their safety on his broad shoulders. Across the frost-laden fields, under the stars and bars of the Confederacy, was his counterpart, General Braxton Brack. A tall figure with a stern countenance, Bragg's piercing eyes were as hard as the North Carolina granite of his birthplace. His stiff posture and disciplined demeanor mirrored his approach to warfare and leadership. Bragg was a West Point graduate, a Mexican War veteran, and a stern disciplinarian who ran his forces with an iron hand. His methods often rankled his subordinates, earning him as many foes within his ranks as outside them. Yet, despite these challenges, Bragg's commitment to the Confederate cause was unwavering, his readiness to defend his homeland unyielding. Their backgrounds were different, their methods contrasting, but their destinies were intertwined. Each leader carried the hopes of their respective nations, the weight of their soldiers' lives, and the outcome of the war on their shoulders. They were not just commanders, but the embodiment of the northern and southern causes they represented. As the sun dipped below the horizon on December 30, 1862, these two generals stood on the precipice of a battle that would test their leadership, their strategies, and the mettle of their men. Under a sky ablaze with the fiery hues of an ending day, the stage was set for a face-off between Rosecrans and Bragg, a confrontation that would echo through the annals of the Civil War. In the chilling winter twilight, as the generals studied their maps, tens of thousands of soldiers were grappling with their emotions. In the Union camps, the air was thick with anticipation. From the raw recruits to the seasoned veterans, each soldier felt a taut thread of tension, a whispering fear that tightened with every passing hour. Among them was Private Elijah Hunt Rhodes from Providence, Rhode Island. A former shopkeeper, he had answered Lincoln's call to arms. He was not a professional soldier, but he had learned to wear his uniform with pride, to shoulder his musket with determination. As he sat huddled by the campfire, he thought of his family, his shop, and the peaceful life he had left behind. Fear and longing tugged at his heart, but a quiet courage kept his spirits high. This was his battle, his contribution to the preservation of the Union he held dear. Across the Stones River, the atmosphere in the Confederate camps was no less tense. The cold was biting, the rations scanty, yet the Southern spirit was far from broken. Amid the canvas tents and the flickering firelight was a young man named Sam Watkins from Maury County, Tennessee. He was a private in the Maury Grays, a volunteer infantry regiment. Watkins was not born a soldier, he was a bookkeeper by profession, a keen observer by nature. The chilling Tennessee winter, the biting hunger, 
the uncertainty of the morrow, he noted it all with a stoic resolve. He thought of his home, his family, and the life he knew before the war. Fear nodded him too, yet it was overpowered by a resolve steeped in a deep sense of regional pride and a firm belief in the Southern cause. As the soldiers of the Union and Confederacy prepared for battle, their stories formed a poignant tapestry of the human experience of war. Beneath their uniforms, behind their rifles, they were men of flesh and blood, each with dreams, hopes, and families. Theirs was not just a battle for territories or strategies, it was a personal journey etched with courage, sacrifice, and a resolve that transcended the moral fear of conflict. The chill of the coming dawn brought with it the looming reality of battle, a day that would test their courage, their resilience, and their belief in the causes they fought for. As the first rays of the sun pierced the frosty morning, the soldiers braced themselves, their hearts echoing the drumbeat of the approaching Battle of Stones River. As the first light of December 31, 1862, began to seep into the Tennessee skies, the camps on either side of the Stones River buzzed with activity. Maps were unrolled, orders were penned, and plans were set in motion, each commander plotting his path to victory. On the Union side, General Rosecrans had devised a bold strategy. With the aid of his trusted lieutenants, he planned to focus his strength on the Confederate right. If successful, they would cut off Bragg's line of retreat to Chattanooga and cripple the Southern forces. Rosecrans, ever the meticulous planner, rehearsed his plan, issuing clear and concise instructions to his division commanders. His strategy was like a carefully designed clockwork, each piece intended to move in harmony towards the desired objective. Within the ranks of his men, there was a flurry of activity. Soldiers polished their bayonets, inspected their muskets, and filled their haversacks. The rhythmic beat of the drum signaled the march orders, and columns began to form. Amid the rising sun and the falling dew, a blue tide of Union soldiers began to stir, poised on the edge of a decisive battle. Across the river, the Confederate camp was no less active. Bragg, having learned of the Union movements, had crafted a strategy of his own. He aimed to strike at Rosecrans's right, hoping to drive the Union forces away from Nashville. His orders, firm and explicit, echoed through the ranks. His plan was a bold counterstroke, a risky gamble that reflected his tenacity and his commitment to the Southern cause. Among his men, the dawn brought a mixture of anxiety and determination. They checked their gray-clad uniforms, loaded their rifles, and gathered their belongings. The bugle's call echoed through the camp, and the Confederate soldiers prepared to march. The rising sun cast long shadows and the air seemed to throb with the unspoken promise of a fight. As the clock ticked closer to the hour of battle, the plans and preparations of Rosecrans and Bragg were set into motion. Their strategies, honed by experience and tempered by necessity, were now in the hands of the soldiers who would execute them. As the Battle of Stones River drew near, each camp braced itself for the trial of fire that lay ahead the fate of the battle hinging on the courage of their men and the soundness of their plans. Chapter 3. Clash at Stones River As the first light of New Year's Eve began to scatter the darkness, an eerie quiet hung over the Stones River battlefield. 
Suddenly, the silence was shattered by a furious Confederate onslaught. The gray-clad regiments, under the orders of General Bragg, had launched a surprise attack on the Union right, catching them off guard. At the forefront of this attack was Major General John C. Breckinridge. A tall man with a commanding presence, Breckinridge was as striking on a battlefield as he was in a political debate. A former vice president of the United States, he was now one of the Confederacy's most trusted generals. Breckinridge led his men with the same passion he'd once reserved for politics, his deep, resonant voice cutting through the fog of war. His troops swept across the frost-kissed fields like a gray tide, their bayonets glinting in the morning light. The sudden attack sent shockwaves through the Union ranks. The surprise was complete, the onslaught relentless. Union soldiers scrambled to their feet, their breakfasts abandoned, their muskets hastily loaded. As Confederate bullets whistled past, the morning stillness was replaced by the thunderous echoes of war. Among the Confederates was Private Sam Watkins, his heart pounding in his chest as he raced across the open field. With each stride, he was no longer a bookkeeper but a soldier, his rifle not a tool of war but a symbol of the Southern cause he had come to defend. Around him, the world was a whirl of noise and confusion, yet his focus remained unwavering, his resolve unbroken. Meanwhile, on the Union side, Private Elijah Hunt Rhodes found himself thrown into the thick of the fight. His dreams of home were swept away by the tide of Confederate soldiers surging towards his position. Fear coursed through his veins, yet he held his ground, his fingers wrapped tightly around his musket, his faith in the Union cause fueling his courage. As the sun climbed higher, the Battle of Stones River had begun in earnest. Amid the roar of cannons, the rattle of muskets, and the cries of men, the Confederacy had drawn first blood. But the day was far from over, and the outcome of this New Year's Eve battle was far from certain. The story of the Stones River was being written not just in the general's orders but in the courage and determination of the men on the ground. As the Battle of Stones River raged on, a key location emerged from the chaos and confusion, a densely wooded area known as the Round Forest. It was here that the Union forces made a stand that would change the tide of the battle. Commanding the Union defense in this area was Colonel William Hazen, a stern yet respected figure. Hazen was known for his tactical acumen and unwavering resolve. He had instilled in his men an indomitable spirit, a will to hold their ground at all costs. Under Hazen's command, the Union soldiers formed a stubborn line of resistance. Like a stone wall amid the tempest, they braced against the Confederate tide. The air was thick with smoke, the ground shuddering with the impact of artillery fire. Yet the Union soldiers held firm, their faces streaked with smoke and sweat, their resolve unbroken. Private Elijah Hunt Rhodes was among them, his heart pounding with fear and determination. He stood shoulder to shoulder with his fellow soldiers, his grip on his musket never faltering. Each Confederate wave that crashed against their line was met with a hail of Union bullets, a defiant roar that echoed through the trees of the round forest. On the Confederate side, the frustration was mounting. General Bragg, observing from his command post, could see his forces being repeatedly repelled. His face was a hardened mask, 
his eyes reflecting the harsh reality of the situation. His plans of a swift victory were being thwarted by the unexpected Union resistance. Private Sam Watkins found himself repeatedly charging towards the Union line, each assault more desperate than the last. The sight of the unyielding Union soldiers amidst the smoky woodland was imprinted in his mind, their determination a stark contrast to the hasty retreats he had anticipated. Despite the mounting casualties and the relentless Confederate attacks, the Union's stand at the Round Forest held. Their resilience, fueled by their belief in the Union cause and guided by the steady hand of Colonel Hazen, turned the tide of the battle. By the end of the day, the Round Forest had earned a new name Hell's Half Acre. But it was not just a landmark on a battlefield, it was a testament to the tenacity and grit of the Union soldiers who had defended it, a symbol of their unyielding spirit in the face of daunting odds. As daylight faded on December 31, 1862, an eerie stillness fell over the battlefield. The tumultuous roar of muskets and cannons had given way to an uneasy quiet, punctuated by the occasional gunshot and the groans of wounded men. Under the shroud of darkness, General Rosecrans, his uniform smeared with the grime of battle, surveyed the scene. The day had been grueling, the losses significant. Yet his army was far from defeated. The stand at the Round Forest had bolstered the Union morale and bought precious time. Now, under the cover of night, he orchestrated a strategic regrouping of his forces. Around the Union campfires, men like Private Elijah Hunt Rhodes took a moment to gather their strength. The smoke-stained faces around him told a tale of survival and determination. The shadows danced on their weary faces, their eyes reflecting the flickering resolve that still burned within them. Across the river, the Confederate camp was a mirror image of exhaustion and resilience. Despite their initial success, the staunch Union resistance had thwarted their hopes for a swift victory. General Bragg, his brows furrowed in thought, mulled over the day's events. He issued orders for his troops to regroup, his mind already plotting the next day's strategy. For Confederate soldiers like Private Sam Watkins, the chill of the night was a stark reminder of the grim reality of war. The camaraderie around the campfires, the shared tales of bravery and loss, fueled his resolve to fight another day. In the darkness that cloaked the Stones River battlefield, both Union and Confederate forces found strength amidst chaos. They bandaged their wounds, shared their rations, and exchanged stories of courage under fire. Under the same starry Tennessee sky, these men from opposing sides harbored the same determination, the same resolve to face another day of battle. The nightfall had brought a pause to the Battle of Stones River, a temporary respite from the bloody conflict but it was far more than just a lull in the fighting. It was a testament to the human spirit, a moment of resilience that underlined the grim determination of the soldiers, their readiness to face the trials of the coming dawn. Chapter 4. The Tide Turns As the last moments of 1862 slipped away, the soldiers at Stones River found themselves experiencing a New Year's Eve unlike any they had known before. Rather than the comfort of hearth and home, they had the cold embrace of trenches, the stench of gunpowder hanging heavy in the air. General Rosecrans, hunched over maps and dispatches, saw in the new year amidst the urgency of his command tent, 
he was not a man of grand celebrations, and this night was no exception. His mind was on the battle to come, the responsibility of thousands of lives weighing heavily on his shoulders. Yet, there was a certain steely resolve in his gaze, a silent vow to see the dawn of 1863 with a rekindled hope for victory. In the Union trenches, men like Private Rhodes gathered around hastily kindled fires, their breath misting in the winter air. There were no grand feasts, no resounding choruses of Auld Lang Syne. Yet amidst the tension and uncertainty, there was a solemn sense of camaraderie. These men, bound by a shared cause and shared hardships, saw in the new year with stories and shared rations, the flickering firelight casting long shadows on their determined faces. Across the icy Stones River, a similar scene unfolded in the Confederate trenches. Despite the bitter cold and the uncertainty of the upcoming battle, the Southern soldiers clung to their traditions. As the clock struck midnight, the sounds of harmonicas and fiddles filled the air, a haunting melody that spoke of homes and families left behind. Men like Private Watkins sat huddled in their gray uniforms, their faces illuminated by the firelight as they sang songs of the South, their voices carrying across the frozen landscape. While the celebrations were muted, the arrival of the New Year was a poignant moment for both sides. It was a stark reminder of the homes and lives they had left behind, the things they were fighting for. In the silence that followed the makeshift midnight serenade, both Union and Confederate soldiers allowed themselves a moment of reflection, their thoughts filled with hopes and prayers for the year to come. This New Year's Eve in the trenches was a testament to the spirit of the men who fought at Stones River. Amidst the cold and the uncertainty, they found the strength to welcome a new year, their resilience a beacon of hope in the dark winter night. With the dawn of the first day of 1863, the Stones River battlefield stirred once again to the grim rhythm of war. The chill of the morning was pierced by the Union bugle's call, its resonant notes echoing a signal to arms. The Union counteroffensive had begun. General Rosecrans, his blue eyes hardened with determination, had set his plan in motion. Using the previous day's defensive success as a stepping stone, he ordered a powerful assault against the Confederates. It was a gamble, one that required flawless execution and unflinching courage. The order resonated through the ranks, reaching men like Private Rhodes who stood shivering in the morning frost. His heart pounded in his chest, adrenaline seeping into his veins. As he joined his comrades in forming the advancing line, his grip tightened on his musket, the fear of the unknown only stealing his resolve. The Union soldiers moved like a blue tide across the frost-dusted fields, their bayonets glinting under the pale winter sun. The sound of their boots drumming against the frozen ground, their breaths misting in the air, formed a symphony of anticipation. Their faces were etched with determination, their eyes on the horizon where the Confederate lines stood. On the receiving end of the Union assault, the Confederate soldiers were jolted from their morning routines. General Bragg, perched on his command post, watched the advancing Union forces, his face a mask of grim anticipation. The roar of the Union cannons, the sight of the Union infantry advancing in coordinated lines, sent a wave of realization through him the battle was far from over. 
Confederate soldiers like Private Watkins found themselves in the path of the Union onslaught. As the Union forces surged forward, he felt a knot of fear and resolve twist in his stomach. Grabbing his rifle, he joined his fellow Confederates, their faces set in grim determination as they prepared to meet the Union's counteroffensive. The Union attack was a clear message the Northern soldiers were far from defeated. The blue tide advanced, their shouts and the thunder of their guns slicing through the winter air. For the men on both sides of the Stones River, the new year had brought a renewed struggle, a testament to the gritty resolve of the soldiers caught in the heart of the Civil War. As the Union counteroffensive pushed forward, the Confederate lines began to waver. The staunch Southern resistance was gradually eroding under the persistent Union assault. The battlefield, once dominated by Confederate shouts of victory, now echoed with the resounding advance of the Northern troops. General Bragg, atop his command hill, watched this transformation unfold with a knot of frustration and concern twisting in his stomach. His plans of capitalizing on the early gains were crumbling, the tide of the battle turning against him. The Union troops, rejuvenated by Rosecrans' leadership, were proving to be a formidable force. Bragg had a difficult decision to make. He could order his weary soldiers to hold their positions and risk a devastating defeat, or he could sound the retreat, preserving his forces for future engagements. Each choice carried its own cost, and the weight of this decision bore heavily on Bragg's shoulders. Meanwhile, in the Confederate ranks, Private Watkins and his comrades felt the shift in momentum. The once confident Southern shouts were now strained calls to hold the line. The relentless pressure from the Union forces was a crushing reality they had to face. Watkins could see the concern in the faces of his fellow soldiers, their hope of a swift victory replaced by the grim determination to stand their ground. Finally, under the icy winter sun, Bragg made his decision. He ordered a retreat. His voice, typically firm and commanding, held an edge of regret. His soldiers, while relieved, couldn't help but feel a sense of disappointment. The triumphant cheers from the morning of the battle were now a distant memory, replaced by the sobering reality of retreat. For men like Private Watkins, the retreat was a bitter pill to swallow. Yet, they complied, pulling back from the field they had fought so valiantly to hold. As they retreated, the sight of the advancing Union soldiers was a stinging reminder of their reversal of fortunes. Bragg's difficult decision marked a turning point in the Battle of Stones River. The Confederate retreat underlined the stark change in momentum, highlighting the resilience and strength of the Union forces. It was a testament to the tumultuous nature of the Civil War, a demonstration of how quickly fortunes could shift in the smoke-filled fields of battle. Chapter 5 Aftermath and Repercussions In the aftermath of the Battle of Stones River, the battlefield lay silent, the cacophony of war replaced by a deafening stillness. The cost of the past day's conflict was laid bare in the form of fallen soldiers scattered across the frosty landscape. The scale of casualties was immense, a grim testament to one of the Civil War's bloodiest battles. General Rosecrans, walking amidst the rows of fallen Union soldiers, felt a knot of grief tighten in his chest. Each lifeless face was a reminder of the price of their hard-earned victory. 
These were men who had laughed and shared stories around campfires, who had written letters home filled with hope and longing, and now, they lay still on the cold earth. In the makeshift Union Field hospitals, the wounded groaned under the care of harried doctors and nurses. Men like Private Rhodes, fortunate enough to escape with his life, bore the marks of the brutal encounter. His face, typically jovial and filled with boyish enthusiasm, was now etched with pain and a newfound maturity born from the horrors of battle. Across the Stones River, a similar scene unfolded in the Confederate camp. General Bragg, his face hardened by the toll of the retreat, surveyed the casualties. Each fallen Confederate soldier was a sting of defeat, a painful reminder of the dream of victory that had slipped from his fingers. Private Watkins, nursing a bullet wound in the Confederate field hospital, couldn't help but feel a sense of despair. He thought about his fallen comrades, their voices forever silenced. The reality of war had sunk its teeth deep into his spirit, leaving him with a stark understanding of the human cost of their cause. The casualty toll at the Battle of Stones River was a chilling reminder of the brutal reality of the Civil War. Behind the strategies and battle lines were men of flesh and blood, their lives forever altered by the tumult of war. The human cost of Stones River was not just in lives lost, but also in the lives changed, the innocents lost, and the harsh truth of war imprinted on the souls of the survivors. Despite the heavy toll of casualties, the Battle of Stones River marked a significant strategic victory for the Union. The Confederate retreat had secured Middle Tennessee under the Union control, a fact that General Rosecrans didn't take lightly. This win was more than a territorial gain, it was a much-needed morale boost for the North, struggling through the grim winter of 1863. News of the Union victory traveled fast, reaching the streets of Washington, D.C where President Lincoln sat in the Oval Office. He sighed with relief, his features softening for a moment as he read the telegram. It was a small glimmer of hope in a period marked by high casualty numbers and a stalemate in Virginia. Lincoln knew well that this victory would bolster the northern public spirits, who were growing weary of the protracted conflict. For Union soldiers like Private Rhodes, who were recuperating from their injuries, the news of their victory injected a new vigor. Despite his pain, Rhodes felt a swell of pride. Their sacrifice had not been in vain. They had held their ground, weathered the storm, and emerged victorious. The news spread through the field hospitals, bringing smiles to faces that had forgotten to laugh, sparking a renewed hope in hearts burdened by the cost of war. In the North, newspapers hailed the victory at Stones River, their headlines trumpeting the brave efforts of Rosecrans and his men. Families of the soldiers celebrated, their hearts filling with pride for their loved ones. The mood was a stark contrast to the previous winter, marked by the Union's defeat in Fredericksburg. The victory at Stones River was a beacon of hope in the long, cold winter, a reassurance that their cause was not lost. In the grand scheme of the Civil War, the Union's triumph at Stones River provided a much-needed shift in momentum. It was a morale boost that echoed beyond the battlefield, reaching the hearts and homes in the North. It wasn't just a strategic victory, it was a testament to the indomitable spirit of the Union soldiers and their leaders. 
Their win at Stones River promised that they were capable of standing their ground, a small yet significant step towards the ultimate goal of preserving the Union. The echoes of the Battle of Stones River continued to reverberate throughout 1863. Its impact was not limited to the fields of Tennessee, but it influenced the broader war landscape, shaping strategies and outcomes, igniting new hopes, and hardening resolves. In the Confederate headquarters, General Bragg bore the weight of defeat, but he did not allow it to break his spirit. He viewed the retreat from Stones River as a tactical concession, an opportunity to regroup and reassess. The loss had tempered his aggressive approach, teaching him the value of strategic patience. As the year progressed, Bragg and his forces would mount significant resistance, including the infamous Battle of Chickamauga, maintaining the fierce Southern opposition to the Union advance. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., President Lincoln saw the Union's victory at Stones River as a sign of turning tides. It strengthened his resolve to end the conflict and bring the Southern states back into the Union fold. The victory shaped his discussions with his advisors, influencing his decisions in the months to come, leading to the historic proclamation of the Emancipation Act that reshaped the very fabric of the war and the nation. On a personal level, for men like Private Rhodes and Watkins, the Battle of Stones River was a transformative experience. Rhodes returned to the front lines later that year, a veteran forged in the fires of Stones River, his belief in the Union cause hardened like steel. Watkins, though scarred by defeat, found a renewed commitment to the Southern cause. The two men, enemies on the battlefield, were united by their experiences, becoming part of the war-torn tapestry of 1863. Across the nation, families felt the ripples of the Battle of Stones River. Those who had lost their loved ones in the battle were imbued with a sense of solemn pride. They grieved, but they also celebrated the bravery of their kin. Others, hearing the stories from the front lines, were spurred on to join the fight, to contribute to the cause that their fellow countrymen had given their lives for. The Battle of Stones River, while not the largest or longest battle of the Civil War, left an indelible mark on 1863. It influenced strategies, bolstered morale, redefined goals, and became a part of the nation's collective memory. The ripples of the battle moved through the year, touching every aspect of the war and the lives it engulfed, proving that even a single battle could shape the course of history. Chapter 6 Legacy of Stones River In the years that followed the Civil War, the battlefields that had once been epicenters of conflict gradually regained their tranquility. The land where Stone's River battle had been waged was no different, with the hum of battle replaced by the peaceful rustling of leaves. But memories of the struggle, the bravery, and the sacrifice lingered. They permeated the very soil of the battlefield and whispered in the wind. To preserve this memory and honor the valor of the men who had fought there, a monumental step was taken, the establishment of the Stone's River National Battlefield. In the early 20th century, several Civil War veterans and citizens' groups lobbied for the preservation of key war sites. Among them was the determined Helen Dorch Longstreet, a Civil War widow and preservationist, known for her tireless efforts to preserve Civil War battlefields. She saw the Stones River battlefield as a symbol of American resilience, 
a place of historic importance that needed to be safeguarded. With political and social support, her efforts bore fruit in March 1927 when Congress authorized the Stones River National Military Park. President Calvin Coolidge signed the bill, acknowledging the significance of the site in American history. The rolling fields of Stones River were thus transformed, becoming a hallowed ground dedicated to the memory of those who had fought there. Visitors stepping onto the national battlefield can't help but feel the weight of history. There's a sense of awe as they walk past the preserved landmarks, like the round forest and the slaughter pen, places where men had fought and fallen. Each monument, each plaque, each marked spot on the battlefield is a testament to the bravery and tenacity of the soldiers of Stones River. The Stones River National Battlefield today stands as a monument of valor. It tells a tale of a bitter winter battle, of men who stood their ground against overwhelming odds, of a struggle that defined a nation. The preserved landscape is a tangible connection to the past, an open book where visitors can read about the country's history and reflect on the cost of the freedoms they enjoy. The establishment of the national battlefield ensured that the story of Stones River would not fade, but instead continue to echo, reminding future generations of a time when a nation was at war with itself. The Battle of Stones River, while perhaps not as famous as Gettysburg or Antietam, has a distinctive place in the annals of Civil War memory. Its tale of hardship, resilience, and sacrifice reverberated through the generations, leaving a lasting impression on the collective consciousness of the nation. Veterans from both sides often recounted the Stones River battle in post-war gatherings. For many, the battle was a transformative experience, an event that had tested their courage, their resolve, and their spirit. Samuel Watkins, the Confederate private who had fought and survived the battle, went on to pen a memoir that detailed the harrowing experiences of a common soldier. Watkins' vivid account brought the horror and heroism of the Battle of Stones River to life, ensuring its memory endured. Similarly, Union veterans would often speak of the battle's first dawn, the Confederate onslaught, and the bloody stand at the Round Forest. For them, it was a proud moment of resilience and determination, an instance when they stood their ground against the tide of the enemy, shifting the course of the battle, and arguably, the war. Historians studying the Civil War have analyzed the Battle of Stones River extensively. They see it as a turning point, a moment when the Union started to gain a strategic upper hand in the Western theater. The fact that President Lincoln saw fit to acknowledge the victory in a letter to General Rosecrans indicates the significant morale boost it gave the northern states, a factor that played a vital role in the war's later years. In popular culture, the Battle of Stones River has found its way into novels, documentaries, and even music. It has been depicted as a symbol of American resilience and tenacity, an example of ordinary men's extraordinary courage under fire. Thus, the echoes of the Battle of Stones River continue to resonate through history. Its memory, kept alive through stories, memoirs, studies, and monuments, serves as a poignant reminder of a time of division and strife, but also of courage and determination. The echoes tell a tale of a battle that helped define a nation's character, and the men who became heroes within its narrative. As a critical contest in America's bloodiest war, 
the Battle of Stones River imparts valuable insights into the evolution of warfare. Its influence can be seen in the tactics, strategies, and principles that modern military thinkers and leaders consider today. One of the significant lessons derived from Stones River is the value of adaptability and flexibility in the face of changing circumstances. When the Union line was pushed back by the initial Confederate attack, it was the rapid regrouping and resilient stand of the Union forces, particularly in the Round Forest, that prevented a total collapse. This adaptability, the capacity to make swift tactical decisions in response to unexpected challenges, is now considered a cornerstone of modern warfare. The battle also showcased the strategic importance of logistics and supply lines. Union control over Nashville and the Nashville-Murfreesboro Pike ensured that Rosecrans' army was well supplied throughout the engagement, while the Confederates, despite initial successes, ultimately struggled with their supplies. This lesson is not lost on modern militaries, who place enormous emphasis on maintaining secure and efficient supply chains. Moreover, Stones River emphasized the critical role of morale in warfare. Despite suffering heavy casualties, the Union Army's spirit was never broken. They withstood the Confederate onslaught and managed to push back, a feat largely attributed to their high morale and belief in their cause. Today, militaries worldwide invest in soldiers' psychological welfare, recognizing that an army's strength lies not just in its numbers or weapons, but also in its soldiers' resolve and spirit. Furthermore, the Battle of Stones River marked one of the earliest instances of extensive use of field fortifications during the Civil War, a strategy that would become increasingly prevalent in later conflicts. These field fortifications saved the Union Army from potential disaster and have since become a staple in modern defensive warfare strategies. Finally, the Battle of Stones River demonstrates the importance of leadership. The contrasting styles of Rosecrans and Bragg, the tactical decisions they made, and their ability, or lack thereof, to inspire their men all had profound effects on the battle's outcome. This highlights the critical role that effective leadership plays in the success of military operations, a principle well recognized in today's armed forces. The Battle of Stones River, with its high drama and tactical nuance, offers a rich well of lessons for modern warfare. Its influence is a testament to its significance, a battle that not only helped shape the outcome of the Civil War but also the face of warfare as we know it today.